0: My name is Amy Kaplan. I see a lot going on in the world around me, and I see a lot of problems. As a high schooler and a 16-year-old, I feel like I can't really change anything. But science is a powerful tool. Project 80 is a group of students from the primary school. So Project 80 goes directly to data from scientific experiments. Goal of Project 80 is to get the average person to think about science and think about how it impacts their lives. Science is a powerful tool. I am, I am, Project, Project, 80. 80. I am Project 80. I am Project 80. This is
1: Sarah Moseson. Lindsay Charlotte Kernan.
2: Josh Metzger.
0: And this is our attempt to use science to change the world around us. Change what matters.
1: So one day I was in Starbucks with Project 80, and we were talking about science things. So, this guy comes up to us, and we're going to call him Starbucks guy. And that's where our story
0: began. So really, there are two angles to this story. The first is about a surprising, yet serious, biological issue involving the chemical, BPA. The second side is our bigger-picture research story about how to get around obstacles, like what do you do when you find conflicting evidence and contrasting papers. Science isn't always as black and white as people think it is.
3: Our story begins with a chemical BPA. BPA is in water bottles and cans. These BPA molecules break down, therefore the lining leaks in to the contents of the water. So think about baby bottles exposed repeatedly to the microwave continuously leak BPA into the milk, leading to large amounts of BPA consumed by the babies. Obviously this is bad, so people told the FDA about it and they banned BPA in baby bottles. So what do you think happens when you leave your plastic water bottle on the floor of your car or on the turf? Not good things.
2: Right, so maybe I should talk about what BPA is.
0: Yeah, so BPA is an estrogen-mimicking chemical. That means that when BPA is in our bodies, our cells think that it is the estrogen hormone, and that can affect the way our bodies work. BPA is used in the lining of plastics found in food cans, bottle tops, and water supply pipes.
2: Psychologists warned that BPA might be harmful. Consumers clamored for something new. Companies started to make many new products that were marketed as BPA-free. So we wondered... What kind of BPA substitutes were used in the new BPA-free products, and if the BPA-free products were now completely safe for us to use? After some research...
1: Lots of research.
2: We found out that BPA-free products are actually created with other chemicals that have similar qualities as BPA. These substitutes are usually other members of the BP family, but most likely... BPS.
1: It's like when my annoying uncle doesn't come to Thanksgiving dinner, so I get really excited. But then my annoying cousin steps in and does the same thing.
2: Okay. So problems still persist with BPS. BPA and BPS molecules both have very similar chemical structures, but at high levels, these chemicals have very similar, very dangerous effects.
0: So Project 80 doesn't look at news sources and popular media like Newsweek. We have to go right to the data, the primary sources, the science journals, and look at the data for ourselves and come up with our own conclusions. So we looked at these scientific journals, and we saw the effects of BPA on rats and zebrafish. And the journal showed that BPA affected their behavior, their brain development, and their reproductive systems. So we saw these drastic effects, and we thought, well, if BPA is really bad, then why don't people know about it? At this point, we were really at the edge of our understanding. We couldn't get any more information from the papers, and our mentor didn't know either. So what do you do if you don't know the answer and your mentor doesn't know the answer? You call up your mentor's father. It seemed we may have jumped to conclusions. We were too eager
3: to vilify BPA and its manufacturing companies. But when we talked to Papa D, he told us some very discouraging things. Things that made our story way more complicated. That we had not compared the effects of BPA in humans to the effects of BPA in rats featured in our most significant studies.
2: This is where the data was thrown off. It turns out that humans excrete BPA
3: pee it out
2: much quicker than the mice. So because BPA spends more time inside the rat, BPA has a greater ability to bind to receptors and cause observable effects in the rats.
1: Oh, so all the dangerous results in the rats would have been exaggerated.
2: We began to wonder if it would be valid to compare problems we were seeing in our studies with rats to humans. More importantly... Does BPA even have a significant and harmful effect at our typical exposure level?
1: At this point, we took a step back. We realized we had a lot of potential problems that could affect our story. Rats excrete BPA differently than humans. And all of our studies so far had been looking at rats. So we didn't know if we actually had proof that BPA at low dosages could affect us. So we questioned the
3: legitimacy of our story. Honestly,
1: at this point, a lot of people wanted to stop. We knew there was a story here. We might have to dig a little further, but there had to be evidence supporting our claim. We all decided that the only way to go further was to call up Starbucks Guy.
0: At this point, it might be important to point out that Starbucks Guy is actually a graduate school researcher doing research on BPA at Rutgers.
1: So, Starbucks guy gave us a lot of articles talking about the effect of BPA on humans. And he really stressed that it wasn't that BPA has a significant effect on us at one small dose. It was the fact that BPA is all around us, and that at continual low dosages, BPA has a significant and harmful effect on our development systems. After our meeting with Mr. Tucker, we asked ourselves again if we should go forward and continue with our BPA project, and we all agreed that we had to go forward.
0: So, after we decided that we were going to keep going with our BPA project, we took a look at some of the articles that the BPA researcher gave us. These articles talked about the interesting effects BPA had on people. What was most interesting to us was to look at our exposure levels to BPA, So we decided to look at the effect of continual low doses of BPA on young people. So
3: when we looked into the low dose effects of BPA, we found a lot of journals that suggested that the chemical, even through common exposure, can have a harmful effect on us. And more specifically, it can disrupt the prenatal and newborn development of babies. And babies are much more vulnerable to the effects of BPA because they're smaller than adults and still going through their developmental stages. Even developing embryos can be affected if their moms are taking in constant low doses of BPA, which a lot of people do. The effect is more concentrated because even the smallest changes in early development have long-term effects. Think about trying to build a house on a crumbly foundation. Or better yet, imagine you are playing Jenga. Imagine you remove a piece from the top nothing happens. However, when you remove a piece from the bottom, the whole thing comes crashing down. It cannot be built in the same fashion because the foundational pieces are so important. And this was really scary to us because it showed that we all could be affected by BPA. And now it became our responsibility to tell others about it.
0: So then, what's the takeaway? Well, we learned that there is significant data showing the negative effects of BP family chemicals on developing humans. To summarize, BPA does have negative effects on developing humans, so infants, children, and teenagers, just like us. And BPA substitutes can be just as harmful as BPAs. While we know that developing humans are the most effective, we still don't know if BP chemicals are safe for adults. In the end, the moral of our story is the same for both BPs and science. There is conflict in the evidence. And, as important as the issues are, we can't force the answer.
1: I'm Sarah Moseson, and on behalf of Charlotte Kernan, Lindsay Yu, Amy Kaplan, Josh Metzger, and myself, thank you for listening, and for more from Project 80. Visit liquidbio.com and you can find Project 80 under the research programs.